steps. Tonight, I want to visit a very important topic when it comes to marriage and family, and it's the topic of communication. And I will say from the outset that there are so many different pieces of this topic that I can't possibly address all of them in one setting. I guess I could try, but I don't want to do that to you. Communication is verbal and nonverbal. I think we can agree with that, amen? Communication is absolutely fundamental to human relationships. It doesn't really matter what kind of relationships. Communication is, is absolutely fundamental. For the sake of having a focus tonight, we're going to really bring our attention to the verbal aspects of communication, even though we do need to acknowledge that there's a very important nonverbal element to all communications. You can say the right thing, and all of us know that you don't mean it just by reading the nonverbal. So I want to go on the record and say, even though I might not spend much time tonight talking about nonverbal, there has to be that acknowledgement that it is very, very important, and it absolutely matters. So tonight, we're going to talk about marriage communication. So even though we are going to focus our attention on the baseline of a marriage relationship and the communication that happens within that relationship. If that's not where you're living right now, I want to encourage you, don't tune out because the principles that we're going to look at from the Word of God around this topic are for everyone. They're for every kind of relationship. Uh, all relationships in life can be helped by these principles, especially the marriage relationship. I want to turn your attention to a few places in, in Scripture just quickly before we get to what I believe is going to be our key verse tonight. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, Jesus says, very profound statement, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible places such a high importance on verbal communication that the word of God exhorts us in the book of Proverbs that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The book of James tells us that the tongue is a fire. It says in James 3.6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Which is to say that our words have an effect on the entirety of who we are. There's not any part of who we are, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, whatever sphere you want to place it in, that goes unaffected by the words that we speak. Our words can scorch and destroy, and our words could also bring warmth, purify, and provide protection, just like a fire can do. That's the power of our communication, the power of our words. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we take this life-affirming, potentially life-giving power of verbal communication, and how do we use it to its full potential while at the same time avoiding all the destructive potential that it could potentially have, that it could, that it could, that it could have if we use it the wrong way? And the answer is we have to look to the role of the Holy Ghost in our life. If we do not have the Holy Ghost operating in our life, 
We're going to be haphazard and we're going to be aimless in our communication and we're not going to hit the mark. Our words and our actions within the home, within marriage, require the power of the Holy Ghost to shape our behaviors into behaviors that honor God. We will not be pleasing and honoring to God in our speech without the Holy Ghost operating in our life. No matter how careful we are, no matter how knowledgeable we may be about this particular topic, you may make three pages of notes about this topic even tonight. You may go home and get on Amazon and buy a truckload of books about this topic and read them and mark them up and digest all the information and try your best to implement it. But if you do not have the power of God's Spirit working in your life, you will never attain to the standard that God's Word places on our communication. Our key verse tonight, well, let's look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It's printed on your handout, and it says this, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I want to read that again in your hearing. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Just that first half of the verse gives us enough to where we can launch out from that point and we can, we can start to explore what the Word of God has to say about our speech. There's two important principles. There's two pieces to that. Let's look at the first one. It says that our, our speech should always be with grace. With grace. If I could say it this way, I, 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 would, I would say this. Marriage communication, family communication, should be consistent and reliable. Consistent and reliable. I believe that that is the essence of what it means when it says, let it be with grace. Let it be consistent and reliable. I want to talk about each of those words for a few moments. Let's talk about what it means to be consistent in our words, in our communication with our spouse. Consistent means that it occurs with regularity. We don't we don't wait until we're fighting to use words, to talk to each other, to tell each other how we really feel. Can I say it just like that? Means that we consistently use verbal communication in our relationship. Let me clarify a little further. I'm not just talking about utilitarian language. Let me give you some examples. The trash is full. Okay. The vehicle needs an oil change. Okay. I'm putting a frozen pizza in the oven. Okay. While that technically meets the the definition of communicating, we, we can all agree 
that that is the bare minimum of what it means to communicate in the household, in a marriage. What consistent communication means is that we're actual, now you have to, you have to communicate like that, hey, the trash is full, the whatever, you know, you, that, that, you got to do that too. But what consistent communication in marriage means at a, in a healthy level means actually talking and communicating about life. This is on the handout. Consistent marriage communication means frequent conversations. Telling somebody that the trash is full is not a conversation. It does not qualify. You cannot say, oh, but we talked. No. You shared information. Right. 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 <laughs> You shared information. You didn't have a conversation. You need to have two categories. You, if maybe this is maybe this is as far as we need to go today. <laughs> I'm here standing today to advocate in your life for the creation of separate categories for transfer, transferring information and actually having a conversation. I think we all know what I'm talking about because we've all been on both ends of that and we all know the difference. Consistent communication means frequent conversations about the things of life. Let's talk about the other word, reliable. Marriage communication should be consistent and reliable. This is on the handout. You must be able to assume sincerity. That is so important. I'm going to say it again. You have to be able to assume sincerity. Let me say it a different way. Your statements should be able to be taken at face value. This requires a couple things. It requires that you follow through on small commitments and big commitments. Reliable. It also requires that your words match your actions. And the word we use to describe that quality is integrity. When what you say matches what you do and vice versa. That's what it means to be reliable. And our communication in marriage our words should be able to take, be taken and interpreted sincerely. Now, I want you to, I want you to go back to last week, and I want you to, to notice how what I just said connects to being the right one. This is something, you don't just have this attribute whenever you're trying to win your spouse, to be your spouse. You have to have this attribute for the long haul. You have to be reliable. Your speech has to be reliable. Your communication has to be reliably sincere. You can look back at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, verse 11, it's a chapter talking about the virtuous woman. And one of the qualities that it says about a virtuous woman, a wife, 
is you, it says that her husband can safely trust her. And you can, go that, you can make that go both ways. When it comes to marriage and it comes to communication, your spouse ought to be able to safely trust you and take you at your word. That's how, and when, and when you do that with one another, that's what establishes the environment of stability for the household. I, I want you to connect the dots with me and see how being reliable in your communication with your spouse, being sincere, and, being a, be, and your spouse being able to take what you say at face value, that one attribute of communication almost will single-handedly develop or destroy the, st- the stable environment in your home. Because if no one can trust one another to be sincere in what they're saying, it destabilizes everything. And when everything is destabilized, you know what is absent? Peace. I want, I'm only stopping to, to really try to drive the point home that what I'm talking about and some of the various points that we pull on and the threads that we pull on when we're talking about things that seem really practical, they have spiritual ramifications. Real spiritual ramifications. Here's the next section, the next next category. It says, first, in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 4, that our speech should always be with grace. And then there's the next phrase, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. There's two attributes that I want to, to draw our attention to that I believe really describe what it means to have our speech seasoned with salt. The first one is that marriage communication should be open. Should be open. Write this one down. This is on the handout. Open communication builds resiliency. Open communication builds resiliency. It makes you resilient as a couple, as a family. As you're writing that down, let me explain what I mean. Open communication means you don't have to make your spouse walk on eggshells. Afraid that you're going, that, afraid that if, you, if, 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 if they try to talk to you, that you're going to snap. Real time, real talk. Sister Ellie's in here, she can tell you. There are times, and I think everybody, this is going to resonate with everyone, but I'll just, I'll just point it back at me, Brother Ben. There are times when I don't want to talk about church work and I don't want to talk about the kids' grades and I don't want to talk about whatever one of our extended family members has going on in their life that's, you know, some kind of dramatic thing. Like, I care about all of those topics, but there's times when I don't want to communicate about those topics. But just because it gets brought up to me doesn't mean that I'm going to snap and be harsh because I want to foster an environment of open communication. Now, the topic may come up, and I may not be in the right mindset, 
My energy level may not be where it needs to be to have that conversation, but you know what I'm going to do? If I'm, if I'm at my best, I'm going to say, you know what? I, 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 don't wanna, I don't feel like I can talk about that right now. I don't feel like I have the energy to talk. I want to talk about that. I see that we need to talk about that. Can we talk about it in an hour? Can we talk about it in the morning? Can we talk about it, you know, after I've had my coffee? Whatever. You know, am I, am I ringing a bell for anybody tonight? But here's what you can't do. You can't snap and be harsh. I use that harsh word because that's the word that the scriptures in Ephesians says that husbands can't be harsh to their wives. And this is one of the areas where it manifests sometimes because in our communication, sometimes a topic comes up and we're not prepared to address it or for whatever reason, and we will have a response that is not very loving. Am I being real? And the scripture calls us to a higher standard, to a higher place, and says that if we want to have an open communication environment, we've got to find a better way to respond in those moments. How do we do it, Brother Dustin? I said it at the very beginning, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has to be at work whenever we're communicating. We'll all have that, and we have to be cognizant of it. And let me just, I'll just, I'll stick, I'll climb out here on this limb just for a second, and then I'm going to retreat back. There's this one talk that this person gives, and maybe you've seen it. It's a pretty good talk, uh, and I'm not going to give the talk, but he simply says, uh, me and Brother Jimmy, I'm going to just throw him under the bus. Me and Brother Jimmy talked about it. Uh, I've seen it before, but he brought it to my attention again, and, and uh, if he wants to deny all of this later, he can. But men's and women's brains are different. Ah, shocker. Men's brains, men's brains, the best way you can describe it is that it's like we have little boxes. We have a box for everything. You know, I've got this box and this box and this box, and none of the boxes touch. And then we have a box that we really like, and it has nothing in it. That's our favorite box. And that, right, Brother Turner knows what I'm talking about. Some people's nothing boxes are bigger than others. (laughs) There we go. There we go. There we go. (laughs) And this is all a great mystery. (laughs) This is all a great mystery. It's just the way we're wired up. We're designed this way. Women don't have boxes in their brains. It's like a ball of wire, and everything's connected. And this is connected to that, and this is connected to that, and this is connected. And it's that's not these aren't flaws. These are these are features. These are features. These are these are not weaknesses that need to be corrected. These are just realities that to, to just accept and 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 live with and 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 get good at navigating. This is just the way that that things are. And so, 
the way that we approach communication, and I'm bringing this up under the banner of open communication because sometimes even between the genders, our concepts of open communication can be different. Because meanwhile, I'm over here in, I'm over here in the box for, you know, I don't know, like vehicle maintenance. I'm in the vehicle maintenance box. And it doesn't touch any of the other boxes. And you, you can't introduce a separate topic. I'm going to I'm gonna have to exit that box, close that box. I'm gonna have, it's going to take me a few minutes to get over to the other, the other thing. And Sister Ellie, in the meantime, is running circles around me on this other topic. Okay? And... It's these differences between the genders that are the reason we need teaching. (laughs) And we need the Holy Ghost sometimes, all the time, especially whenever we, especially when the boxes come up against the wires and we have to work it out. But we know we need an open environment of communication because our communications are supposed to be seasoned with salt. We can't make each other work, walk on eggshells around each other. We have to be forgiving. The New Testament uses the word forbearing. We have to bear with one another. We have to be patient with one another. And that goes both ways, both ways in marriage. Here's the other thing that it means to be seasoned with salt. It means that marriage communication should be honest honest. Truth has to be the rule, even when it hurts. With, this is on the handout. Without truth, trust cannot be established. I know that seems really, really fun, like elementary. Without truth, trust cannot be established. Now, this is worth clarifying, too. Not all honest communication is positive content. Even if your content is negative, your intent must remain positive. Let me tell you what I mean. Let me give you some examples. Negative content with negative intent. Some examples of that are gossip, slander, lying, belittling. That's negative content with negative intent. But let me turn it around and give you some examples of negative content with positive intent. You ready? Rebuke, admonish, petition. Request. It's a negative content, but it's a positive intent. Why is, why is a request, why is asking for something negative content? Because you don't have it. You're operating from the deficit. You, ha- you need something you don't have. You're co- it's a negative piece of content, but if you come at it with a positive intent, then it qualifies as good, honest communication. If you come at it 
with negative content from a negative intent, it might be honest, but it's not good, and it might not even be honest. Let me stop and and give some attention to a special topic. This isn't on the handout, but this is just what I felt to, to do this afternoon when I was making final preparations for this evening. Let's talk about sarcasm for a second. Sarcasm is when literal words have their meaning changed by tone. Now, in close circles of friends or family, sarcasm is often used for humor. And I am, I'm not going to be the one that throws stones because I can drop a sarcastic comment as quickly as anybody else, I suppose. But it's worth saying tonight, while we're talking about communication, that I've heard some brag that they have sarcasm down to an art form, and I just don't know if that's worth boasting about. Sarcasm is not a virtue in marriage communication. Let's say it again. Sarcasm is not a virtue in marriage communication. So I I know, Brother Dustin, I'm being the fun police right now. So bear with me. Sarcasm has the ability to be cruel and hurtful. And the appeal of using sarcasm is that if you go too far, that you think you can just pull the trap door or the release valve and say, oh, I was just just messing around. I was just teasing. I was just, you know. And there's a time for humor, and there's a time for lightheartedness. But if there is one communication channel that we should guard more than any other channel in life, it is that of our marriage. And we should not allow anything that could potentially disrupt our marriage communication or sour it in any way. And if we find that we have stepped over the line somehow, we should seek forgiveness, and we should be ready to give forgiveness and we should move on. Amen? Here's what the Word of God says. Galatians chapter 5. In case you're wondering where I'm coming from in the Word, the Word gives us a warning. Galatians chapter 5 verse 15, Apostle Paul says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. It's very easy. There's almost, there seems like there's a very thin line sometimes between harmless communication and stuff that actually hurts, and stuff that actually can be interpreted as resentfulness or anger or bitterness, and it can really mess up our headspace if we're not careful. So don't miss this next statement I'm about to make. Communication increases closeness. That's on the handout too. Communication increases closeness. I want to talk, before we, before we end tonight, I, I want to talk about two essential skills. Two essential skills. If you, will, if you will recognize these skills in marriage communication and really just communication as a whole, you will find that many of the potential problems and, and knots that we sometimes get tied up in 
either resolve themselves quickly or we prevent them altogether. The first essential skill that I want to present and call your attention to tonight is assertiveness. Assertiveness. Let me explain what I mean. Assertiveness is the ability to express your feelings and ask for what you want in the relationship. Assertiveness is a very valuable communication skill. In successful marriages, both individuals in the marriage tend to be quite assertive. And to somebody that's on the outside of the relationship looking in, to a relationship where both individuals are quite assertive, it can feel a little alarming because they talk directly to one another. And if you're not used to that, it can be a little bit strange. Rather than assuming that their partner can read their mind, the assertive person communicates in such a way that they share how they feel and ask clearly and directly for what they want. Now, of course, being assertive is not the same thing as being demanding, controlling, or nagging. Those things are not synonymous with assertiveness. Let me tell you three characteristics of a person who is assertive in a healthy way that is not being demanding, controlling, nagging, but is just being assertive in their communication in the relationship. Assertive individuals take responsibility for their messages by using I statements. I feel this way. They don't deflect. They put themselves right in it. And they say, this is coming from me. I feel this way. I'll give you some examples here in a minute. Here's another characteristic of somebody who is healthy in their assertive communication. They avoid beginning statements that start with the word you. That's not being assertive. That's picking a fight. Do we understand the difference? Some of us would prefer to pick a fight because we would rather pick a fight than actually say what I feel. Some of you are so scared of saying what you feel that you would rather fight about it for two days. Hmm. They make constructive requests. They don't start with you. You did this. You always do that. Instead, they make constructive requests. They use positive and respectful language in their communication. And then third, they use polite phrases like please and thank you. And I know that's very, very simple. But when you're being assertive, it can be a little off-putting to somebody that's not used to it. And it never hurts to use your manners while you're also being direct. Let me give you some examples. These are just canned examples, but I want you to hear it in your own ears, what these kind of assertive statements and assertive communication can sound like and what it should sound like. 
Here's an example. This is just a canned, just a canned statement. Someone says, I'm feeling out of balance. While I love spending time with you, I also want to spend time with my friends. I would like us to find some time to talk about this. That's an assertive statement. Here's another one. This is, again, this is just a canned, a canned example. I want to take a ski vacation next winter, but I know you like going to the beach. I'm feeling confused about the choice we should make. That's a direct statement. I, don't, I hear that, and I don't feel like I'm under attack. I don't feel like someone's trying to pick a fight with me. I feel like someone's being direct with me. If I'm an insecure person, I might feel threatened, but that's more about me than it is about them. And I have to be mature enough to see that. This is where the importance of being honest with yourself, which I mentioned on Sunday, the importance of being honest with yourself gets pushed to the front of what we do. There are all kinds of people that respond to this different, differently. So let me, when I talk about being assertive, so let me identify and address two of them, two different, two different kinds of people. There's all kinds of people. Let me talk, about, talk to two in particular. Let me talk to the person here tonight who, on the basis of everything that I've shared in the last few minutes, you are uncomfortable with this because you are afraid that if your spouse picks up on this, that you're going to have to start engaging more and you might even have to compromise. <laughs> it might be inconvenient for you and it might slow your agenda down. But ask yourself, if, and only you know if you are this person. Ask yourself this, what is more valuable to you, your convenience or your spouse's voice? Let me talk to another person. Let me talk to the person just for a second who you're uncomfortable with this because you're the person who is very intimidated by asserting yourself verbally. Sometimes you're going to have to just come out and say it, bless God. You're going to have to just come out and say it. You have that one thing that you've been wanting to address for so long. I'm not talking about gripes right now. I'm just talking about you've got something that you want to talk about or that you've been wanting to ask for for so long, you're just going to have to come out and say it. Your spouse is not a mind reader. And you cannot be upset or be in a slow burn bad mood over something that you have never verbalized. I'm helping someone right now because something's registering. Because I've sat in enough rooms with people I know, people I love, people I don't know. And I've seen both of these kinds of people. And I'm, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now, if you will get alone with God and receive this word and decide to try something new and to forge a new path in your behavior, in the way that you communicate, 
It will, it will open up doors in your relationship that you thought were locked and the key had been thrown away. It'll make you stronger and more healthy. Now, before I, before I move on, I need to backtrack and say, these are the areas where it is so, invi- so vital that your communication be consistent, reliable, open, and honest. Because hear me right now. If you charge headlong, if you get out into the parking lot this evening and you decide that you're going to assert yourself, but you forgot the first half of the lesson, you're going to be in the office. In, in no time, you're going to set a record because those things that we talked about, about being, having grace and being seasoned with salt, The Word of God tells us those things for a reason. Why do you think I talked about those things first and not these things? We got to have those things. Our communication has to be consistent. It has to be reliable. It has to be open. It has to be honest. Let me me give you a word of advice, and then we'll move on to the second thing, and then we're going to wrap up tonight. If you've got something right now, let's say you're that person, and you want to, you are being emboldened in the Holy Ghost and you are, you're receiving something into your life and you're saying, I'm going to assert myself. I'm, I'm going to find my voice. I'm going to say it. I'm going to script it out. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray over it. And then I'm going to initiate a conversation. I'm not going to pick the fight. I'm just going to initiate the conversation and, and, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Hear me right now. <laughs> you need to start, start, start with having consistent communication. I wouldn't, this is just my own, this is my advice. I wouldn't go directly for the ask. Instead, I would find a time every day for the next week to talk and not about who's taking the trash out or who's going to take the car to get the oil change. I'm talking about conversation. Have some conversations before you just go in for the kill, right? Before you, go, before you make the direct approach and you charge up the hill, right? And you try to plant the flag, right? Just a word of advice. Have some conversations. Build that conversation engine. Get that conversation engine turned on and, and roaring a little bit. And then in that environment, demonstrate some assertiveness. Okay, the goal of assertive Talking is expression. Expression. That's on the handout. I need to make sure I say that because people's eyes will start twitching if I don't. The goal of assertive talking is expression. Now, do you know what the greatest obstacle to communication is? The greatest obstacle to communication is the illusion that it has happened. Because while you may take the direct approach in the Holy Ghost and assert yourself, you have to have the other side doing what I'm about to tell you. There has to be this thing called active listening. Active listening. And that's the second essential skill that I want to share with you today. The first is assertive speech. The second is active listening. Active listening is the ability to let your partner know that you understand them by restating their message. I'm going to say what you already probably know. But good communication 
depends on you carefully listening to the other person. This is on the notes. Ready? Talking about active listening. Listening is not just waiting on your turn to talk. Letting that like sink in a couple layers because this is a lesson that I've learned. This is from the heart right now. Listening is not just waiting on your turn to talk. Active listening involves listening attentively without interruption and then restating what was heard. Because saying what you heard is the only way to ensure that communication actually took place. Because what's the greatest obstacle to communication? The illusion that it happened. And while it may seem clunky, and it may seem tedious, and at times it may even seem childish, if you're, if you're having a serious conversation and you want to be absolutely sure that communication is taking place, Try out active listening and try restating what you just heard to make sure that the communication transfer has actually happened. Not only do you need to acknowledge the content that they said, but you're looking to acknowledge their feelings as well. Because sometimes our communication is more than just words. Sometimes, a lot of times, there's feelings behind it. There's something that's driving the conversation to where it's at. The active listening person, the person that's actively listening, that process of repeating what they said, restating it, lets the person know that they were understood. Listening is about more than just you hearing. It is about your spouse or the other person, whoever they may be, knowing that they were heard. I'm going to repeat that because that's, that's revolutionary. When you, we're not just talking about hearing. Active listening is about more than you just picking up audible noises. It's about you picking up those audible noises, and it's also about your spouse knowing that they were heard and that they're not just talking to a wall. Here's three characteristics of somebody that is actively listening. You ready? The first one is mouth closed, ears on. Thank you, Sister Carla. That was a Sister Carla addition to tonight's teaching. Mouth closed, ears on. You can't talk and listen at the same time. It's, you just can't. Number two, characteristic of a person who's actively listening is that they are seeking connection and not just waiting on their turn to talk. And third, the person who is actively listening is not, they're thinking about what the person is saying. We've all done this. They're not thinking about their rebuttal. They're not thinking about a way to change the topic. They're not thinking about a counter-argument. They're listening to what the person is saying. We've all done what I just described. At least I hope we have, or else I am, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. 
We've all had someone talking to us, and instead of actively listening to what the words they're saying and the feelings they're conveying to us, instead, internally, I'm thinking about the counterpoint that I'm going to make. I'm going to tear down everything they just said. I'm going to win. That's not active listening. You're actively doing something, but listening it is not. You're actively arguing. The goal of active listening is understanding. Understanding. Sister Kelly, if you would come to the keys. If the goal of assertive speech is expression, the goal of active listening is understanding. I've got another handout that our assistants are going to pass out, but this is a take-home handout. This is a homework handout, and this is something you can do with anybody. If you're married, do it with your spouse. If you're not married, you can do it with anybody. I want to encourage you to do it. I hope we've got enough of them. If we don't, I'm sorry. I'll try to get you one. I apologize. Or maybe I'll put it, I'll email it out to the church, or I'll, I'll try to get it out there somehow. But what it is is this. It's going to be ways that you can have those conversations. It's like I said, those conversations, actually talking about the stuff of life, doesn't have to be, listen, it doesn't always have to be about important stuff. It can just be about stuff. It can be about your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions, your dreams, goofy stuff, sometimes important stuff, current events, the Word of God. The list is almost limitless. Those are just some prompts that might help. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't even know where to start with this conversation thing. We're sitting here and we feel so locked in to the way we've been communicating. And I'm just looking. I, I know maybe everything's, maybe everything's peaceful. Maybe everything's peachy at home but you just are thinking to yourself, you know what, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to do something to just enrich my relationship, my marriage, the relationships in my life. And there's nothing that does it quite like conversation. Honest, open, reliable, healthy conversation. I can't emphasize too much what I'm about to say again before we conclude and before Brother Walker comes. You need the Holy Ghost's help to communicate in a way that's honoring to God. Don't leave here tonight with a mind to try to charge in headlong into the different dynamics and different pieces of the relationships in your life and think that you're going to grit your teeth, summon all of the willpower that you have, all of the influence that you can marshal over a loved one, over a spouse, and that you're going to, by your own force of will, reshape your relationships and be successful. It's just not going to work. We must have the Holy Ghost leading, guiding, teaching us, helping us. Can we all stand? If you're going to 
use your communication to build up and not tear down, can you lift up your hands right now toward heaven and just begin to seek the Lord and maybe just pray a few things to him right now. Whatever comes to mind, we've covered a lot of ground this evening and it's been very practical and it's been very at home. But can you make a few of those topics just a matter of personal prayer? Nobody's listening to you. Nobody's trying to hear overhear you or to watch you. But can you just get personal with God for a few minutes and say, Lord, you've given us this tremendous power, the power of our words, the power of our tongue. Lord, I pray that you would help me, Lord. Help me, God, to be pleasing to you in all of these things. Help me to be pleasing to you. Lord, I want to be your words, to be holy and pleasing to you. Lord, mold me. Can you do that right now all over this room? It'd be all right if you're here with a spouse to join them by the hand. And why don't we unify together and say, Lord, I want everything that you have for my marriage, for my relationship. Lord, I want to be as healthy as possible.